She is a former WRBL news reporter whom I was blessed to work with almost 20 years ago. She's now about to be a published author of her new book. You're going to hear all about it and her incredible journey of faith coming up. There is the word, there is the way, and brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Bill Scoggins. Welcome once again to Faces of Faith. I'm your host, Phil Scoggins. Today, I am joined by a longtime friend, Latrina Patrick. Latrina used to work here at WRBL some 20 years ago. She is actually joining us by Zoom from Jacksonville, Florida, where she currently lives. And it's going to be a delight to catch up over the last two decades as to all that's happened in your life, Latrina. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Let's go back, and uh, I, I always like to, to assume that folks don't know anything about Latrina Patrick, so we're going to delve into uh, your growing up years, where you called home as a child, um, your, your family situation as you were growing up, any influence that uh, the Lord may have had on your life uh, in those younger years. So let's start out with what's your, where's your hometown? America's Georgia. I'm a Georgia girl. <laughs> Just right down the road, about an hour southwest of here. Yeah. Southeast of here. Well, um, tell me about your, your home life, your early years, your school years, and uh, maybe some of the early uh, impulses you had uh, in terms of, of the career path that you thought you might take when you were little. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Well, I, as I said, from Southwest Georgia, born and raised in America's Georgia, um, I am so grateful for that upbringing that I had. Um, I'm the oldest of two. Okay. And um, I've always said that I appreciate having a, a Southern upbringing because I felt really naive when I became an adult. But when I, you know, when I got exposed to different things, when I got into the military later, and I, and I mean by it, it just it felt so safe and I felt so protected and I felt so loved and I just had a really wonderful childhood. And so I, I'm so grateful for that. So I, I cherish the fact that I grew up in a small town. And, um, you know, through my, through my life, I can definitely say that um, I was built on a foundation of faith. I mean, I grew up in a small church, you know, very tiny church at the time I grew up and we went to church. Sunday school every Sunday, and yep. then we had church, um, the full service, the second and the, and the first and the third Sunday, so we didn't have full church service um, um, every week, so for years I grew up like that, and I just remember my mom being someone that, um, even if she didn't go to church with us, the church band came to pick us up, mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for all those years that I, I was in church because I realized that even though you're sending your kids and a lot of times they don't understand it. They're falling asleep in church or they, you know, buy the candy and sit and eat candy while the service is going on. It's still having an impact. And I just remember so vividly growing up and having different um, challenges that I faced and being able to fall back on that foundation of growing up in a church like that. And so I'm a big fan of, you know, sending kids to church and taking them to church, even if you don't think they're going to get it, because it really does have a tremendous impact. And um, from the standpoint of just the, the communication part and just I've always kind of just had that innate knowing that I would do something in communications or that feel because even as a child, I love to write. And I know sometimes you'll see people successful in a certain area of their lives and they'll look back and you'll see like an Oprah who, you know, was reading Easter speeches at three. I mean, there was always some indication. And so I was kind of like that. I just, I would write poetry and poems and things my mom saved for me being six years old. So all of that was already being planted in me and um, and it's just something that I just enjoyed and continued to do. So it wasn't a big mystery when I decided to um, go into mass communications and um, work in that field for so long. I look back and I'm like, yep, the signs are always there. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's that's a that's a big overview of kind of my life, my life growing up in a small town and how I kind of uh, fostered some of my my interests as a child that have led to even what I'm doing right now. 
recall some of those early years in church. I know that I was saved when I was 10 years old. I can remember the revival service that I was in and don't remember the specifics of the sermon, but I, I know that when, when it came time for the altar call, I was actually on the front pew, uh, down front, and was laying down and uh, more or less pretending to be asleep, I guess. And when it came time for the altar call, my mom leaned over and uh, she said, Phil, do you feel like going to pray? And I said, yes, I do. And I went down and gave my heart to the Lord uh, on that night in that revival service again at the age of 10. Were there times in your early years in church services where you felt that the Lord had his hand on your life? Yeah, I I can definitely. the, The first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that is, you know, we were baptized. I was baptized at six years old. And again, I just, we had a very small church, but they had like this little baptism pool that they were put in the space of the, the choir, you know, like yeah. switch that uh-huh. space out. And I remember being so incredibly scared because, you know, they dunked you. There was mm. none of that scary stuff. <laughs> and you got the pastor and the deacon and you're right there in the middle and I'm a little kid and they grab your head and dunk it and you come up so fast and you don't really know what has happened, yes. right? You don't, you don't understand it. But I'm grateful for those types of traditions because um, I didn't understand what was happening, but it felt big in that moment, mm-hmm. even at six years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, those are some of the most vivid memories I have of my grandmother because I didn't know my grandmother very long. She died when I was um, like in seventh or eighth grade, okay. and she died very young. like She was like 50 when she died. But um, those are some of my most cherished memories because... I just remember how much I loved her. And I remember their house was literally across the street from the church. So I get to literally walk across the street Mm -hmm. to my grandmother's house. And I just remember she sang in the choir and um, she loved, she was a deaconess and she's, you know, she was in the usher board and it's just those type of experiences I cherish now. And they just mean so much to me. And so um, again, I didn't know what was going on, but it felt like a big deal. And even in that moment at six years old, I mm-hmm. knew something special was happening. And I've never been one of those people who've been rebaptized because a lot of people that were baptized, I know at a young age, when they start really coming into themselves and their mm-hmm. Christianity and learning more about God and faith, sometimes they're like, you know, I want to do that again because now I can appreciate mm-hmm. it. I've never, and I respect that, but I've never felt like I needed to do that again because mm-hmm. even though I was young, it still felt like a big deal, you know? Exactly. Let's move into your um, your school years and maybe even into your high school years and, and talk to me about that part of your life. In the sense of just in general or my yeah. faith? Or, in in yeah. general, just uh, again, how maybe some courses helped you figure mm-hmm. out that communications really was your niche. That was, and it's so funny you asked me about high school because that's when it happened for me. Okay. Because, and I was uh, filling out a form for something yesterday and it asked me uh, who was the teacher that had the greatest, I don't know what I was filling out, but I remember asking that question about the teacher having the greatest impact on me and I immediately wrote Miss Barbara Goodman. Miss Goodman was my English teacher mm-hmm. and I will always love her. She was one of everybody's favorites. But what, what changed me in my writing, we were, I was in like a, a literature class for her and we were doing a lot of stuff on Macbeth and Shakespeare and all those different types of things. And we had to write about those things. And I remember submitting and I was, that was always my subject, English. I always got A's in English, always. And, um, and I remember submitting my paper and I got a lower score and I was upset. And I went to her to talk to her about it. And she was like, you know, I had just done the highlights and I, she, and I was like, I don't understand, you know, why I don't, maybe I got a B or a C. Um, and I, didn't, I, I don't understand why you gave me this grade. And so she was like, well, you didn't really explain everything. And you didn't tell me this, this, this. And I was like, but you know that. And she <laughs> says, but you have to write like I don't know it. And when she said that, uh-huh. that was my moment. And so even as an adult now, and I write grants, that's one of the skill sets that I teach people when I teach people how to write grants is because you have to write as if the reviewer doesn't know who you are, your organization is. And so when she did that for me, that was 
my aha moment and I've been a, a superstar in the <laughs> my modest humble way you know I've been so great at writing because I really just enjoy telling stories and so that's what that um that did for me and um uh so yeah I think I also had some really great experiences even though I didn't continue it but I also remember just really loving um my foreign language classes mm -hmm. I remember loving French um even though I don't take it now, but I did really well in that in college when I took it at the next level. But those were the two biggest areas that had the greatest impact on me. And I guess French is just another, it's communicating, right? And so even though it's another language at the core, it's just communicating. And I always have love just expressing myself um, in that way. So I've never been a jock or an athlete, but I've always been a great scholar. And it's just, I think it's just because just having that great foundation in writing, you can do anything from there. I uh, go back to, I had basically two primary teachers that were a direct influence on me that I can see the results of what they poured into me 50 years ago mm -hmm. in, in the job that I'm doing today. I had uh, my English teacher, Glenda Simons, and um, I, I, I had her for homeroom, so I, I, I spent more time with her than just in the English class, which was good. Um, and then my speech teacher, uh, who saw something in by us gathering around a table, and we would she had the old reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. You're too young to remember those days. <laughs> but uh, And would put the microphone in the middle of the table and we would read uh, Romeo and Juliet or Pygmalion or um, uh, just some classics. And she would, you know, share the parts around the table and we would listen back. And I can remember her uh, making the comment that, have you ever considered broadcasting? That your vo using your voice, I, she felt like that that was something that I should at least consider. And I had not. I was a junior in high school at the time. But between the English class teacher and my speech teacher, uh, so thankful. And, and due to Facebook, I was able to reconnect with my speech teacher. She passed away a few years ago. But I was able to reconnect with her after well over 40 years to wow. thank her and tell her I'm doing what I'm doing today because wow. of the suggestion that you made when I was back in, in high school. So you came to WRBL. Uh, it, describe that path and what, what led you here, uh, f like I said, about 20 years ago or so. How did that happen? It's so funny you bring that up, and I know we're going to talk about the book later, but I, I actually recount my experience of getting hired as part of my faith walk because um, I when I came there, I came there from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So when I graduated college, uh, Clark Atlanta University, mm -hmm. I, my first job, um, uh, I graduated May 97, I think, 98. And, um, and like a month later, I got a job uh, in print in Albany and worked there for nine months. And I got a job in Hopkinsville, Kentucky at an independent station there. And that was my year of trying to get my feet wet. But before I graduated college, I was in Atlanta. And during college, I interned at WSB. Um, the number one news station yes. there. And that was, that was the dream, right? I wanted mm -hmm. to work at WSB and be Monica Kaufman and yes. all of that. Well, I met, during my time there, I met uh, WRBL's uh, former news director, Bob Page. And Bob was the chief photog at, WR, at WSB yes. in Atlanta. Emmy and award winning. Seven Emmys yeah. he won. He was an incredible photographer. Incredible. Yes. And, um, you know, as an intern there, and I wanted to be a reporter, you know, I would just, you had to know the photographers because you had to beg them to let you go out on the stories. And, <laughs> and you really had to beg them to do stand-ups for you, which they really didn't want to do because they got other things to do. But like, could you just shoot us a quick stand-up while we're still here? And, you know, Bob was just wonderful when he was chief photog, very skilled and talented. And so when I was looking and trying to find a job, you know, we were, I was obsessed with just all the markets and trying to find a job in television. And, um, I, and I guess I was reaching out for Columbus because I was looking for areas in Georgia, markets that were comparable to my skill level at the time, figured I had a shot at. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's when just I realized being a starter that, oh, market too, you know, Columbus, generally, if you're coming right out of school, you, you're going to start in a market size like Columbus. Right. 
So exactly. And it was perfect for me. And I felt like I um, was ready for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I realized that Bob was there and I, maybe I think because one of my former college mates had gotten a job there and she led me to that league because, you know, in television, it's about networking, who you yeah. know. And so I reached out to Bob and um, he liked my tape and he just, he liked that connection. And so he didn't have a position at the time, but he you know, was keeping in touch, wanted me to stay in touch with him. And I, of course I harassed him and kept doing that. And when I finally got to the point where I was almost about to get a job, he interviewed me and at the time I was super aggressive. So I was like, if I'm gonna be here, let me try to get at the other station too. And so I was uh, also applying for the competing station there in, in Columbus. And at the time, you know, they were considered the number one station there. So I was like, I want to at least try. And I remember how I got both interviews. And this is all about that, that, that knowing. Like, you don't always have a, a, a way to articulate it when you're not very spiritual, which I have always been, but for people who don't, they say, well, something told me, something told mm -hmm. me. And I know that's just the spirit of God, mm -hmm. you know, nudging at me. Mm -hmm. And so I remember so vividly, I'd gone to the other station and I've been there, I interviewed, I didn't, it didn't feel, I didn't feel any type of way about it. I just wanted the job. And then I never forget, I was there for my interview at WRBL and I was in the lobby and Margaret was there at the time. Margaret Johnson. Ever. Worked here 54 years, Margaret did. 54 oh, years. <laughs> and, and she was there, and I remember sitting in the lobby, and I had that feeling come over me that this is going to be where I work. I had not had, it wasn't about my connection to Bob. It wasn't about any of that. Mm -hmm. It was like, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to get this job. And I didn't get it right away. It took another probably two months or so. Um before I even got the job, but, and this is the other part that I just remembered that was so God connected. I left Kentucky without a job. I was so ready to go. I knew I would get a job in Columbus. I knew it. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wait. I'm going, I'm, I, it's, my season here is up. I was a little impatient like I am now, but <laughs> even worse then. And I was like, my season is up. I'm ready to go. I'm gonna pack up and I'm gonna move and I'm gonna get that job in Georgia. And I moved here, I packed up, from, I moved there, I packed up from <laughs> Kentucky, moved to Georgia, and I knew I could stay with my mom if I needed to in Southwest Georgia, but I was trying to get a job in Columbus. And Bob wanted to hire me, he would say, just sit tight, I'm, I can't say when, but I'm gonna get you in here, I'm gonna get you in here. And I just took him at his word, because mm -hmm. he was a man of God too. And I just took him at his word. And I was like, okay, and so I went home, and I needed a job, and I ended up getting a job at Habitat for Humanity. It was a temporary job. A woman was going on maternity leave. She was going to be out for six weeks. That was in America, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Habitat was, is head, was headquartered yeah. in America, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And and that's the only job I really would have wanted to work in America is because everything else was fast food and things like that. Yeah. And God is so faithful because that six weeks was all I needed for for Bob to get things worked out for me. And I knew that at the end of that six weeks, my job would be ready. And at the end of that six weeks, my job in a WRBO was ready. So I knew from the beginning <laughs> that I was destined to be there. And I wasn't destined to be there as a reporter forever, but I made connections and friendships there that have lasted me 20 years later. So I know that that connection was divine, but I God was leading me that entire time. Well, we have a, uh, a, a, a uh, common uh, boss because Bob hired me in 1998. I was uh, doing video production work in Columbus, had my own video production company, basically doing videos for uh, businesses in, in Columbus. And I uh, was working on an Aflac video and editing it at the WRBL studios. And Bob saw me um, course Bob's 6'5 and he was able to see and <laughs> and he saw me sitting on the couch and poked his head in the door and he said come see me when you're finished with your session and uh, the Lord had been speaking to him he was uh, creating a new anchor team I had been off the air 16 years and um, I had been praying that morning uh, I had been in business for myself 10 years and um, was can remember, you know, basically paying myself the same amount of money every year. There's not a lot of benefits other than it's nice being your own boss. But um, 
that morning, specifically that morning, saying, Lord, I've been doing this 10 years, and if there's something else that you need me to be doing, show me. Uh, and Bob Hovey, who uh, is the uh, creative services editor here, called me within probably an hour of that prayer, and we had been working on this video that was um, a, a problem. We, we had an issue with it. He said, Phil, I figured it out. How quick can you get up here? And I told him I'd, I'd be right there, and he came to the, and that's, that led to Bob then seeing me, and the conversation that we had was, he said, Phil, um, would you consider coming back on the air as an anchor? Wow. And I just felt like you that at that moment in time, the Lord was opening a door that has been open now for 23 years, 23 years later. But it started with a prayer saying, do I continue doing what I'm doing, or is there something else that I need to be doing that would be a blessing? So uh, thanks to Bob Page and, and thanks to the good Lord, um, 23 years later, I'm still you know, here on the anchor desk with Teresa, my co-anchor, and you, of course, wow. close friends with Teresa, but she and I have been on the anchor desk longer than any other you know, anchor team in the history of Columbus Broadcasting, and it's wow. so such a blessing to be on the desk with somebody who has a heart after the Lord. And I know you know mm -hmm. that about Teresa. Mm -hmm. Let's, um, what do you remember about your time here? Uh, let, just the, the things that happened in your career while you were here that, that helped you uh, lay the foundation for where you would go, you know, later on in your career. Wow, a lot. Um one of the one of the biggest things that happened for me there is and that is still so connected to me right now is um in my last year i got the, the education beat mm -hmm. i remember that and um you know i used to do the golden apple award mm -hmm. going to I we still do that. those still have them. Oh, I, I, that was my jam i loved it so much i loved surprising the teachers i loved how the kids you know how they were nominated mm -hmm. and it just blessed my soul and so out of that i started going um to the schools to you know volunteer because i love being in the schools and i love reading and I would read to the kids and i would just have such joy from that and what it helped me to re realize was that god showed me that I've had that connection to education and teaching um, since since I was a like little. I was young, and my mom helped me make that connection too. But I, I had such a love for educating, and I, I thought I wanted to be a classroom teacher. Mm -hmm. So I I remember taking the practice, you know, the the the, the, the pre exam before you can do the whole teaching thing and go down that that path to get a teacher's license and educate them that way. And, and then I, I stopped doing that. I stopped that process because what God started showing me was I didn't need to be in a classroom to be a teacher, you know, to teach. And so my life has always been about, um, I've just been able to articulate it better as an adult, but it's always been about each one teach one. Like I believe so strongly in whatever I learn, I have to share. And I may not be an expert, but Whatever I know, I just feel so compelled to share. And I think that's why I love television so much because it's a medium that all we're doing is educating people. You know, we're educating people about what's going on in their communities, about mm -hmm. things that are harmful to them or mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's all about education. And so I, I started to see that. And then I started and it forced me to kind of look back as a child. And I remember um, very young, just having these four areas that I, I knew I wanted to do. I wasn't, I didn't know how they connected, but I knew that I wanted to do something in the health profession. I knew I wanted to do something. I like psychiatry. Don't ask me why. I just like psychology. <laughs> I liked, um, classroom teaching. And then I used to always say, I'm going to end up on television. Like it, none of it made any sense to me. None of it connected Phil. And then every one of those areas I've hit, like, cause when I went into the military, I was a hospital corpsman. And so that whole, I literally could have been a, I, I literally could have been a doctor. If I just, I, it just clicked with me so much. I got it. You know, hospital corpsman function like nurses in the military. Like really we're so skilled because they teach you at such a high level. And so you really have the equivalent at a minimum of an, of a licensed practical nurse. I don't even know if they still do those anymore, but um, so I did that. And then I became um, certified as a psych, psychiatric technician. So that's where my background as a, 
mental health and substance abuse and all that came from. And so, um, and then, so I kept the educating thing and I kept thinking I had to do that in a formal capacity. And that's when I started, it started coming very clear to me that no, not necessarily, you don't have to just be in the classroom. And so I learned all that from my experiences at WRBL. Um, and it taught me that um, it, it's just so many ways to do, to fulfill our purpose and our calling. There are always opportunities to do that thing that you're called to do. And mm -hmm. so I've learned not to get stuck in a title or a role. It's not about the title. It's about the work. It's about the service. And yeah. so I also learned that at the end of the day, I'm just a servant at heart. And so, and I allow God to use me as such. And I learned that more. I started really getting that deposited into me when I was in my role there. But as I've grown and continue to mature in Christ, I've learned that. So I don't, I, I don't take jobs anymore just because the title sounds right. I look at what the job entails and see if it, it connects and resonates with my spirit. And then if it does, then I start taking steps toward that. But that that whole time there taught me, no, let's not look at the title. Let's figure out what this role is and how you can serve best in this role. So all those things started coming to my awareness during that time at, um, at WRBL. And it's just, it's really stuck with me through now. And it's just, it's helped guide a path for me that is just nothing that I would have fathomed coming out of college because I was so one dimensional. <laughs> got to get to WSB. I got to get to the number one station and you know that. And I'm so glad I released all of that. But I started learning those things from my time there. Um, and that's when I also gained a lot of spiritual um, enlightenment and education because Teresa um, used to just <laughs> recruit people to see <laughs> she would always invite people to her church and she invited me to her church and that's when I started learning so much I always said that my 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 foundational stuff I learned in my church growing up was just like my little primary education and then as I started going to other churches it became like my secondary education or whatever but then when I got into the Methodist church and started learning a lot of stuff I was like that's grad school for me like it was just I just kept learning and gaining. And so all of that stuff for me happened when I was in Columbus at RBL. It was just an amazing journey. Bridge the gap for us between leaving Columbus and you're in Jacksonville. What did the Lord do? Talk us through the pathway that he uh, opened up for you over the last two decades and, and how you wound up in Jacksonville and what you're doing today. Got it. Um, wow, that was quite the journey. And Phil, it has been a journey. So when I, when I, I only did two years there on air mm -hmm. and, um, but I stayed in the area, which was not my norm because I was still kind of accustomed to moving every few years. Mm -hmm. But even though my season was up in television, I felt very strongly that I was done with news because I, I love the medium of television. I, I love that, but I just was burnt out on news and I just didn't like, um, that aspect of it. So I was like, this doesn't really fit my personality because I, I care a bit too much about everything. And um, so, but leaving, and it was all a part of God's plan. It's so amazing because my last, my contract was up like in April. And as I mentioned, um, I started the education beat. You know, I started working on that. And so at that time, I met going into the schools all the time. I'll never forget her because she really was, she kept, she doesn't know this, but she catapulted my life to where I am today. But I met Dr. Tina Cross. She was a, a high school teacher over at Carver Magnet School. Okay. She was teaching kids there through the magnet school how to write grants to fund some of the things that they were doing. She actually was teaching, she was so successful at getting grants for Carver that she was known in the district. She, she created like a little book, more like, you know, like a little book that of instructional book for teachers in the district to teach them how to write grants, mm -hmm. to be successful at it. And so only God, I mean, it, it just was one of those suddenly type of things that God deposited in my spirit. But about two or three months before I left RBL, God started putting really a passion on my heart to help churches get funding. Because when my church that I grew up in, you know, there was always a, a you know how churches would have those thermometers yeah. on the gauging on the how wall. much funds have been raised. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you would never get out that little bowl. They had a huge 
Yeah. And it was like, we're never going to make this. <laughs> and so God put on my heart to start helping faith-based organizations to get funding. I had, it was not my skill set. I had no clue how to do it, but it was just one of those aching things he put on my heart. And so that's when, after he put that on my heart, that's when he started making the connection for me with Dr. Cross or whatever. And so I started kind of picking her brain about grants because I didn't know anything about it. And she gave me her book that she had wrote for the district. And mm -hmm. I started using that. And after I left RBL in April, of uh, 2003 um god started opening doors and he opened the door for me <laughs> i should not I, easy open a door for me at fourth street baptist church mm -hmm. reverend flakes bless his soul god bless his soul and their church had a nonprofit arm and that nonprofit arm was they did affordable housing and all that stuff over in that area over there. Mm -hmm. I can't remember, Phil, veterans, whatever that area is down there where the church was, 4th Street or whatever. Um, but they had, they used to, he had a very successful nonprofit doing that, mm -hmm. developing housing. And I don't remember how I got that connection. I don't know how I got that connection, but God led me there and they hired me as a grant writer. Like, <laughs> no experience as a grant writer they hired me as a grant writer they had their first grant they were going after a ten thousand dollar grant from like Citibank or something i wrote that grant for them and we got it and so that was to me like god saying see you know i'm i'm guiding you i got you there's a reason for this so i, I only worked with them for like maybe that summer like maybe two three months max mm -hmm. And so after that, I have been having some issues adjusting. So I didn't have a really great job. And um, God had me talking to a friend from church that Teresa and I both knew. I knew her from church and we were good friends. And I, knew, I had no clue her status in her job and how high on the hog she was in her job. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we were talking one night and I was just sharing with her how I was feeling down and I just needed to make transition with work and I didn't know what I was going to do and you know that kind of thing and she just started asking me questions about my background I was telling her what I'd done and it was kind of one of those things like come and see me right I had no idea and she worked for New Horizons at the time she was like um like third in charge from the top of you know mm -hmm. uh no clue of that I had no clue and so she called me in her office and she offered me a position and I started working for New Horizons. And at the time, they only paid me about maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars more than I was making at RBL at the time <laughs> and benefits and all that. But she was like, you know, you can just use this as an opportunity to kind of get your feet wet until you um, get into. And I was like, okay. I was like, I need a job. And it's a quasi state agency. So it had good benefits and we had state benefits. And I was like, okay. And then I remember saying to God, I was like, God, no, you told me you want me to do this grant thing. I have no idea why you have me in this job, but I'm going to trust you. And that I started that job, and I'll never forget the date, and you'll know why in a sec. I started that job September um, 11, 2001. Wow. So um, the world changed my first mm -hmm. day on the job. But six months into that job, an opportunity came open for me to start working within New Horizons as a grant writer. So God, he knew where he was leading me the entire time. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in a position where I can learn on the job, fail forward, all those things, which I did because I knew nothing. And they gave me, sent me off the training and I did all that stuff. And so I was there for, it was a, I considered my longest stint on a job without me quitting after a few a year or so. But I was there, I think maybe four years or something like that. And within half the time there, I got promoted into a job in the prevention department, which I had no clue we had because they were treatment focused. So they focused on substance abuse um, treatment, mental health services and, and development disabilities. I had no idea we had a treatment a prevention arm. And I got that job, it was a big increase for me and pay at the time. It felt huge. And I loved it. That was when everything started clicking for me. I had a passion for substance abuse prevention. I, I, I don't know if it's because of my upbringing and my dad having, you know, pretty much died from alcoholism, but I, I just, it just clicked for me about keeping kids off of drugs. I loved it. And I love the community work and learning about how to get things done in the community. And so from that job, 
Um, we served eight counties and I really appreciated how effective it was to get stuff done at a county level, a community level. And, um, and I, I ended up leaving there and I started my own business in, in Columbus. I, for about, uh, I started my own grant writing, grant consulting business. Okay. And I built pretty much of a good name for myself in the community um, about grants, even though I was relatively new at it, but I, people just knew me from that. And I took a leap of faith I'm always taking a leap of faith, but no, <laughs> nothing, like, just putting myself out there, having nothing to back me up. And I left my job at New Horizons, June of like 2006 to venture out on my own. And I had a brick and mortar building over there. It used to be on Winton Road. Um, used to be a, that building called 2000 Opportunities or something like that, right near Aflac. Mm -hmm. And it was a little office area that was supposed to be for like non uh starter begin entrepreneurs giving yeah. them office space and mm -hmm. things like that and i had a connection with the chamber i was very involved with the chamber they made that connection i did a little ribbon cutting and everything and incubator uh, i think they called it mm -hmm. yeah an incubator program yes, yes. that was it exactly mm -hmm. yeah. it was an incubator yeah. and um, so it was a little good, great spot for me, but I really didn't have, I wasn't making a lot of money and I didn't have enough clients and I was just drowning. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, I can't do this. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to just say, things started falling apart. Cause I wasn't good at that. in, in the, in, from the business side, but, um, and things started falling apart and I was, uh, about to get evicted from my apartment. It was just like spiraling. And I remember praying about it. And then somehow an opportunity came up at the state office. And I remember seeing something about in Atlanta. And I remember seeing something about a fellowship. And I was like, this fellowship would be perfect for me. It was like a prevention fellowship. And I remember applying for it. And she was so impressed with me that she called me the next day. And she was like, well, if you want the fellowship, it's yours. But I have another opportunity that will be great for you. It pays more money, yada, yada, yada. And so God just kept, you know, um, guiding me. And that was a job I had to take. And I took that job like on the heels of about to being evicted. <laughs> um, and I think I stayed with a good friend of mine for about a week or so, but God started moving so fast after that. And it was just leading me to Atlanta and everything was falling into place. A girlfriend from college, who we had been great friends with. I called her and said, I'm thinking about moving to Atlanta or I'm, I got this job off. So you can stay with me until you find a place. And then like everything was falling into place. And so I, I moved in with her um, for brief. It wasn't a lot of time because the condo she lived in, which was like five minutes from downtown where I was working, um, they had a posting in their condo community. One of the, uh, the tenants there or the, one of the owners there was renting out his place. And she literally introduced me to him and he just liked me, even though at the time I kind of messed up my credit, he probably shouldn't have given me that, <laughs> but it was just God connecting. And I got Showing that. favor. Within, yeah. All his favor. Yeah. And within a month of being there, I know it was quicker than that, but within a month of being there with her, I got that apartment. I moved in, worked for the state from 2007. So I took that job February, 2007 and did that till about April 2008 because I didn't like the state. I thought we could make a bigger impact. And um, I realized there was just too much of a disconnect between what happens at the community level and the bureaucracy at the state. And it stressed me out too much. I was like, yeah, I don't even get what's happening. These decisions you're making with the people at the grassroots, you're not making sense. <laughs> and it just, I went to the state to make a difference because I thought, wow, we did so much with eight counties. If I'm working for the state and we have 159 counties we're serving, man, I can make such a difference. And it just didn't feel like that ever. And um, and so I, I, I left there and started working for the county, Fulton County government in television from a connection from WSB. Mm -hmm. She was a main anchor there for a long time, someone I worshiped and idolized. And now she was running the government um, television station that she overhaul turned into a bona fide TV station, even though it was a county TV. And she gave me a job there. I did that with her. And it was, again, all God, mm -hmm. how quickly he would just transition me and um, work with the 
the county for about two years. And that led to me getting a job. I left there, got a job with the Georgia Meth Project. It was new at the time, um, a perfect opportunity for me. They interviewed me and I got the job and that was my sweet spot. And it just, it was a blessing from God. I, I stayed there six years. I loved it. And um, it gave me so much experience as a program director, the community level, community collaborations, grant writing, grant management, all of it Played all to your strengths all to my strengths mm -hmm. the uh, uh, videos we did interviews i had to do for the job it was amazing and the best job i've ever had i loved it but at that point at the six year mark um things were falling together pretty good but i had that feelings feel that i was like it's just time to move on like i felt like there was something more but i just felt drained i had I, I didn't want to do it anymore i still love the people and appreciate the work but i literally had built that program from the ground up you know and so i was just burnt out and i was burnt out on atlanta more than anything because after god blessed me with the ability to buy a house out in cobb county my my, my quality of life changed and so i no longer lived in town i no longer lived 10 minutes from work mm -hmm. now i've even though i'm 20 miles outside the city i work down you know close to downtown and it's taking me an hour or more to get to work every day and then even longer to get home and it just destroyed my quality of life and i was depressed and it was at that point where i was like lord um you know a lot of times when i when i get sad it's about me just focusing too much on the wrong things and so i can get to a space of gratitude and shake anything off i'm like you need to get grateful just get grateful and you'll be okay and i would have those moments when that worked but it got to a point where that was no longer working for me. And I was like, you need a change. And, um, and it, it sounds random, but it felt random, but it was God because I, I was like, I need to leave. I was like, I've lived in every place in Georgia that would be appealing to me. I don't think this is me moving to another county or another city in Georgia. I need a major change. And I didn't want it to be, too far because I want to still be able to get to my mom in an emergency or just sure. if I just needed some, you know, family time, I didn't want to be so far away. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, Florida is probably a better option, but I lived in so many parts of Florida already because in the military, I was stationed in Pensacola and Panama city and in Orlando. And I didn't want to do any of those. And a year before, um, I made the decision to move here. I took a random trip down here um, Memorial Day weekend to visit a girlfriend of mine who I've been friends with since I was 19 in the military and we hadn't seen each other in forever and she was now back stateside and she was stationed in Jacksonville. I visited her Memorial Day weekend. Nothing spectacular, just a quick trip from Atlanta to get a break. Nothing, think anything of it. I just had this brief moment when I was here and I was in the public and I had that, what I talk about in the book as like a deja vu moment. I was like, I could just a random thought. I could see myself living here. That was it. Mm -hmm. It was, I was in public. That was it. And no thought about it. And so when I come back and I'm having this hard year and at the end of the year, I'm contemplating my life and I'm like, I'm depressed. I don't want to be in Georgia. What should I do? Where should I go? And that was when I said, okay, well, I'm going to move and I'm going to, um, I, I didn't want to live in Tampa. So I just planted Jacksonville. I was like, well, maybe I'll try Jacksonville because I didn't want to be Tampa. I didn't want to be in Miami. I was like, maybe I'll try Jacksonville. And that was December. And I was, uh, I was like, okay, Lord, well, if you want me to do this, the hardest part for me is going to be, I've only been in my house three years. I need to sell my house. I can't just pack up and move. So I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to open doors for me because um, that's going to be my sign. And I've always been the type of person where if, if I'm not sure or if I think God is leading me, I'll take a step. And if he starts opening doors, I just continue to follow steps until mm -hmm. he closes doors. Mm -hmm. Or if he closes the door, I'm like, that's not it. He's not, that's not where I'm going. So I said, okay, Lord, I need to sell my house. And I'm an agent, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent licensed in Georgia, and I was inactive. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to sell my house, I'm going to need the money. So I'm going to sell it myself. And I was like, let me get reactivate my license. 
and I'm going to do a couple of minor repairs to the house and then I'm going to put it on the market and I gave myself March 15th as that date. I was like, okay. So I didn't get everything done by March 15th and it was more like the end of March and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to put it on the market and I was half scared that it was going to sell fast because I had evaluated the market and it, it averaged down market for most houses was about 45 days. And I was like, that's not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm in Cobb County, which is, a, you know, that's a good school district. So I was like, oh, Lord, I was scared. And I put, <laughs> I put my house on the market April 2nd. April 3rd, I had an offer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had several people on offer. And then by the time that week was over, I had gone through about three offers that I, I settled on the best offer and technically my house, technically meaning it on the, in, in the listing, it was on the market for 10 days, but I, I was, I didn't take it out of the system. I didn't put that it was on the contract. So it really was on the contract sooner than that. I messed up as an agent. So technically it was on the market for 10 days. Yeah. But from that point, not only did everything go smoothly, it, it just went like this. And I put my house on the, it. We, we, we did the contract and I was closed by like May 23rd or 24th. It was like a Monday or Tuesday. And we closed on that Monday. Um, I drove down to America's to spend one night with my mom. And I got on the road that Wednesday to go to Jacksonville. And I stayed with my girlfriend who was, um, um, that let me come down and visit her the year before. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you can stay until you find a place. And then I found a place. And that was the other chapter of my life that just down spiraled. And that's what caused me to write the book because of everything that happened from the moment I got here until now. It's just been like ridiculous. <laughs> so so lay the foundation then for the book and tell us the name of the book. It's coming. It, it's not yet released, right? Coming out later. And right. is it next month? Yeah. If my... Um, Publisher said that it should be done by the end of November, okay. early December time frame. And what's it called? So I've done my part. They just have a few people ahead of me, so I'm kind of in the queue. Yeah. That's why it's taking a little bit longer. But the book is called Grace to Endure, A Journey from the Depth of Failure to the Pinnacle of Faith. And that came about because um, after everything I went through here, uh, one of my aunts basically said that God gave you the grace to endure that. And that was how that title came. And I never heard it put like that, the grace to endure. It's like, really? Because, you know, we know God is a gracious and, and merciful God, but I'm like, it does take a, an, an amount of grace to be able to endure hard things. It goes beyond just having faith, but God has to grace you to do it. And I just, that blessed me so much. And so um, just long story short, um, but basically once I moved here and I was clear that God was leading me here because just the way things were happening, jobs were falling into place and, and even jobs that I didn't, um, I didn't really want the job I got with the city when I first got here, but I took, I didn't want it because of the, the pay. It, the job posted perfectly for my personality. And I thought, well, with this job, they don't have the, uh, the salary on here, but based on this work, I'm sure it won't be less than this amount. Like, you know, that's less than I make in Atlanta, but you know, whatever. Um, cause people had warned me that the pay here in Jacksonville is, is not really great with the size of this, of this city. And, um, I took that job with the city. It was, it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The money was horrible. Um, in my opinion, just because I, what I was used to accustomed to making in Atlanta, um, I found out it's the norm here, but it wasn't. And so that put me on a spiral that was just unbelievable like just lost everything phil i i went from here coming here on cloud nine um just with the new beginning to finding a, a, a great apartment got a job a good job but it wasn't a high paying job and the apartment was way more than i could afford um it was comparable to atlanta i had no idea that i wasn't gonna make enough and i'd already taken the apartment it, it was just crazy i did my whole leap of faith thing um because god was just just doing stuff like so quickly and um and so i ended up like spiraling within nine months i was like didn't have i left the job in january um by that march i was quote unquote evicted um didn't have a place to go and i ended up staying with my girlfriend for three months the one who i'd come down to visit she was like you can stay with me and 
um, until, you know, until you figure out what, because I'd never been in a position where I didn't have a job for so long. And I just, that was throwing me. And so, um, so that, and then, so I ended up like, literally led to this um, uh, women's center that specialized in helping vets. And it was my vet status that saved me. I did four and a half years in the Navy and it has repaid me a thousand fold. I have never earned the type of favor and blessings and privileges I've been given to be a veteran. Um, I've never earned that. Like I did, I was a hospital corpsman. I've never gone to war. I've never done any of that. I served four and a half years. Mm -hmm. And that four and a half years has turned out to be the best four and a half years of my life. And I knew it was a great thing for me then, but the way it's the benefits I've reaped as a result of that service, I, I need to repay the military. <laughs> I, I just, it's, it's astounding to me. And so, um, and that really paid off here. So I ended up getting in a, a program that they were trying to help me to keep me from being homeless because she was like, technically you're homeless because you're what we call couch surfing. You have shelter, but you don't have a home of your own, yada, yada, yada. And just the experiences of, you know, having someone having to help me because I didn't feel good about that. Yeah. Um, having to go through these homeless programs that serve vets to get me into a, it was just horrendous. So I literally started from rock bottom. I was on living on the worst zip code in Jacksonville, because once they approve me for housing, they only give you a limited amount. And what that paid for, because I'm single with no kids, was just a space in the worst county, in the worst zip code in Jacksonville. And I could either take that or, you know, what else was I going to do? And it was a journey that I was scared to death living over there um, for a moment. But then God started opening doors for me. And little by little, he restored me, but what I learned, I couldn't have learned those lessons of humility, um, faith. I thought I was a woman of faith, but when you are on your back with nothing mm -hmm. and you have to depend on God for everything from food to shelter, I didn't have a car, I didn't have anything. And God provided me with all those things, most of them through services that I was offered because I'm a vet or, you know, snap, get food. I mean, it was rock bottom i've never lived um in that kind of environment in my entire life i've, I've lived a sheltered life i really have that's why i said my childhood upbringing just spoiled me because yeah. i never really had any hard times and so i went through everything and i came out of that and i was like lord that's not the path i would have chosen <laughs> but i don't regret it because i couldn't get those lessons that i've gotten and so god took me from and it was only a three-year period, Phil. It felt like forever. And all three years weren't gut-wrenching. It was just the first um, part of that journey. But God, the more I surrender and just trusted God, the easier it got. And I got grateful for every little thing. Every little thing I got grateful for because I was like, I had nothing. And now you give me this. And, that. and so he just built me right back up, mm. brought me right back to the city. But in a different way, I had a lot more humility and, and that job provided for me and got a grant writing job with the city in the finance office and gained experience there. And then um, I had to go through a couple of apartments that I would not have chosen on my first choice, but gradually got better and better. And then what's this 2021 last year, 2020, God blessed me um, with a brand new house. Like I went from thinking I'd never get another house. I couldn't even get an apartment. Mm -hmm. And then God blessed me with a house that if you looked at my salary, um, there's no reason why I should have been able to buy a brand new townhouse that was way more than on paper I should have been able to afford. But because of COVID, because of my VA, because of the interest rates going down like crazy mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, I ended up getting a house that I paid less for brand new townhome that I pay less for than the first apartment I've got here that sent me into the downward spiral because I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. Like, and that was a one bedroom apartment. So God has just taken me, Phil, on this journey. And I was so ashamed of everything that I'd gone through. And I didn't think I would ever be able to talk about it. But even in that process, God healed me and showed me that this is not about you anyway. So you need to be able to tell your story and realize it's not about you. So you need to detach yourself from any shame and let me be glorified through this process. 
And that's what has happened. Like I tell anybody now, I'm like, I used to think I would never tell anybody what I went through. And that's how the book came about. When I shared my testimony on Facebook five years here, God put it on my heart to do a video post about my journey here. I did like a five, six minute video, mm -hmm. just the overview of what I've been through. Cause none of my friends and family knew my family knew, but none of my friends really knew. And after I did that, that's when God started showing me that that's your book. I'm like, really? And then after he showed me that that was my book, I wrote that. I did that post in May of this year because that's when my anniversary was. I probably did it in June because it was a couple of days after May 31st. And um, the book is done and it's being edited right now and it'll be ready before the end of the year. So who is it directed to? It is directed to, I think it's directed to mostly women. I feel like I have a, a ministry for women. Mm -hmm. um, I thought a lot about the women. I, I do health and wellness classes virtually uh, for women in Gwinnett County Jail. And we do it from a holistic perspective and the conversations that we talk about because health and wellness is not just about exercising this. I bring it around full circle with mm -hmm. spiritual stuff and their journey and all that. And I think I thought about them a lot when I was writing. And I was like, I want these women, because even though they're in jail and they're going through a lot, I know a lot of times they look at me as an outsider thinking you couldn't possibly understand what we've been through. And a lot of times, and I want them to know that no matter what you're going through, you can overcome this. So the days that it would get hard for me, because I didn't want to dredge up the memories. It was still, it made me cry a lot still writing the book. Cause I was mm. like, I don't want to, it reminded me of so many of those hard moments when I'm like embarrassed and, and, and ashamed and, and begging, you know, having to get someone to pay my rent and just sitting there. And I was like, I don't want to relive this. And I saw so I would procrastinate on writing the book. And then when it got really hard, I was like, there are people who need to hear your story and they are depending on you to finish this because their deliverance is connected to your story and you need to get your butt up and write. And that was, so I feel like it's for those, it's for women, but especially for women who feel like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Mm -hmm. And that was what I started seeing when I shared my post because I kept getting responses like Latrina, you do not know how much I need to hear your story today. I'm in a lot of the same stuff and just knowing you got through it, it encourages me. So that's that's why I feel like, you know, anybody can be blessed from it because, you know, trials don't happen to all of us. Nobody's gender, yeah. <laughs> you know? But that's who I thought about a lot, the women that I, I, I talked to in Gwinnett County Jail, women like that. So folks that want uh, to tap into this and, and go buy the book, where would they go to? Right now, what I'm ha I have a, a sign-up on, on my website um, where people can just – as soon as you go there, it'll okay. pop up saying if you want to be notified about the book when it's released, then put your email here and we'll notify them. But all they have to do is go to my website at uh, visionuniversity.com, and that's vision, V-I-S-I-O-N, and you, like Y-O-U, N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. And as soon as they go there, it'll pop up and give them opportunity to subscribe to, to get the book when, it, when it's ready. So, Latrina, this has been a fast... Uh, update in an hour's time we've covered 20 years but you've done it so beautifully and it's clear that the lord has brought you through a lot and this book is going to help people understand how it could possibly help them and what they're going through so thank you for being willing to to come on this podcast and share from your heart uh thank you for your testimony and and again it's what the lord's doing inside us but if we don't share that if that never comes out, uh, other people that could be blessed by it, you know, are, are going to fall by the wayside. So uh, thank you for who you are, for what you're doing in Jacksonville. This has been a treat for me after literally 20 years. Um, I don't know the last time we technically saw each other, but it's been a long time. So uh, thanks for, for bringing me on this journey with you. Stay in touch, and uh, we wish you Godspeed as you go through the publishing process with your book. And it sounds like that uh, you certainly are in God's favor. And we appreciate uh, the woman of God that you are. Thank you so much, Phil. As I always say at this time, we are certainly, uh, whatever you might be going through in your life, you always remember, keep the faith. 
And that's what we remind you of each time we end this podcast called Faces of Faith. I want to thank my director, Dylan Hansen, sitting beside me and controlling all of the buttons and making sure that this is brought into this podcast the right way. He does an excellent job. Again, on behalf of all of us here, we uh, thank you for joining us on another edition of Faces of Faith. You can find this on Apple and Spotify and uh, remind you of that. Also, this will be on WRBL.com. You'll be able to find it there as well. So once again, thanks for joining us.